thinking tonight about the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, help us as we just endeavor to concentrate just for a little longer in tonight's public worship service. It's your word, so really it's no chore for us, your children, to spend time in the word. Uh, But we long to hear not so much what the preacher has to say. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to say to us tonight? So, Father, be pleased to use this foolish instrument with all his weaknesses and inabilities to speak to us again something of the profoundity of truth in and through your word. Amen. So our text is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Michael Christopher's very powerful play, The Black Angel, the story is told of a former German army general called Engel, who tried to make a new beginning for himself and his wife in the mountains just outside a little French village. Engel had been in prison for 30 years, sentenced there by the Nuremberg War Crimes Court. Now incognito, he hoped, and forgotten, he was building a cabin in the mountains. His own past, with its horrendous guilt, was behind him, paid for by three lost decades in prison. He now tried to forget it all. In his own mind, he had earned the right to a new beginning. But a French journalist called Moreau could not forget. You see, Moreau's family had been massacred in a village that Angal's army had overrun during the early years of the war. Every last person in that village had been shot to death by Engel's soldiers. So, no, in spite of Engel's best efforts, Moreau could not forget. For 30 years, Moreau had planned revenge. If the Nuremberg court would not sentence Engel to death, then he would. Now, after 30 years, his time had come. He went into the nearby village to stoke up the embers of hatred and the embers of fear in the hearts of the village people. And he did it well. For they made plans to go up the mountain, burn the cabin, and assassinate the general and his wife. But Moreau had some lingering questions. And he wanted answers from Engel. So he went to the cabin the afternoon before the night of vengeance. Introduced himself 
to the shaken end girl and spend the whole afternoon in a terrible inquisition of the man. He had to get the whole wretched story straight in his mind in all of its details before Engel died taking his secrets with him. But as the afternoon's dialogue and probing wore on Moreau's state and taste for vengeance began to turn sour. After 30 years for the first time Miro had doubts. He plunged himself into Engel's soul, and in so doing, he tore his own soul apart. Miro changed his mind. He warned Engel of the villagers' intentions to attack that night, and offered him to take him to safety. The general waited a long time before responding. He would go, he said, but on one condition. That Moreau would forgive him. Moreau found himself unable to forgive. He could save him, but he could not forgive him. That night, the villagers came as a mob. They walked in the cowardly courage of a faceless mob, courage given to them by hoods that covered their miserable faces. And they burned the cabin down, and they shot Angal and his wife dead. This play leaves us gasping for an answer to the question of forgiveness. What was it that Engel wanted more than life itself? Forgiveness. What was it that he needed so badly he would rather die than live without it? Forgiveness. And what was the one thing beyond vengeance that Moreau did not have the power to give? Forgiveness. Friends, what is this miracle we call forgiveness? Listen again to the promise of God in His Word. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Very quickly, I want to focus on just two words in this particular text. Confess and forgive. What is confession? Well, allow me to answer this by initially outlining what confession is not. 
Firstly, confessing sin is not the same as talking about sin. Friends, if talking about sin were the same as confession, our society would be on a confessional binge. No people on earth have have ever let it all hang out, so to speak, the way we do. Celebrities, it seems, race each other to the publishers with the secret sins. Steaming manuscripts under their arms, rushing to tell their own private gossip to a nosy public. Fortunes are made on the conviction that we have become a nation of peeping toms. And I put it to you, that is what we are. Feeding of gossip. I have listened to a talk show recently on my radio in the car. And uh, a psychologist was being interviewed. And I marveled at the willingness of people to divulge their private transgressions to the showbiz therapist. (laughs) And also to a few million other people who just happened to be eavesdropping. But friends... Babbling our secrets is not the same as confessing our sins. Spilled beans do not make for a confession. Secondly, confessing sin is not the same as explaining our sins. I'm usually more than willing to explain to you my faults. I want everyone to understand me and to appreciate the extenuating circumstances that led to my most understandable mistakes. I want you to know that I'm not the terrible person you suspect me to be. I want you to know that I am really only a victim of some unfortunate neurosis. If only you knew the disadvantages of my childhood. If only you knew how uncontrollable my passions can be. You would understand the crazy things that I get up to. I can explain everything. But confession is not explanation. That afternoon on the mountain, General Engel did some profound explaining. Moreau needed to know what it was like to have been a general under that idiot Adolf Hitler. Explanations are plenty, it seems, but confession? Sadly not. Thirdly, confessing sins is not the same as being realistic about sin. If realism were the same as confession, we would be the champion confessors of all time. No people have ever been too willing to pay good money to see the seedy side of human nature eyeball to eyeball without blinking an eye as we have. I was in a, as my wife calls them, dirty, smelly, second-hand bookstalls the other day. I frequent such bookstores on a regular basis because I'm a saddo, according to my daughters. 
And in one section of that dirty, smelly, second-hand bookstore, I came across a book by Carl, Dr. Carl Menninger. I was in the, in the process of praying towards and preparing this particular sermon. So this book called Whatever Became of Sin just pulled me into it. So I got hold of the book and I thought, I've got to buy this. I've got to buy this. Whatever Became of Sin. Dr. Menninger, however, is a well-known psychologist, not a theologian, not a Bible scholar. And he, as I flick through it, called us back to honest realism about sin. I kind of warmed to that. Honest realism about sin. But as I flicked through the pages, and I noticed that two words were missing in his hypothesis. Confession and forgiveness. And so I didn't buy the book. Realism makes us honest, arguably. Realism makes us tough. Realism makes us, well, well, real. But realism about human sin is only a prelude to confession. And it does not necessarily, friends, open the door to the miracle of forgiveness. So what is a confession of sin? Well, I believe that confession includes three ingredients. Firstly, confession is an acknowledgement of our responsibility. The older I get, the more I'm exposed to human nature the more I understand that generally people see themselves more as victims than as culprits. People see themselves more as being sinned against than as sinning. We are victims of many forces and no one can can tell us just how much our own wills are responsible for what we decide to do. I can only guess how much we can blame on the anemic genes and chromosomes that we inherited. Or how much we can blame on the tainted psychological training that was foisted upon us when we were kids. But brethren, I am sure of this. Somewhere within the personal dynamics of the wrong that we do, somewhere inside the working of our minds and wills, we make a choice for which only we can give an answer. We choose, we acted, and we are accountable. It's not my father. I can blame him for a lot. It's not my mother. I can blame her for more. It's not my early toilet training. It wasn't perfect. It is me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Confession begins here. Acknowledging, I am responsible. And if I have not confessed my responsibility, then I have not confessed. Secondly, confession is a shared pain. When I truly confess to you that I have hurt you, there's a sense in which I am saying to you, the hurt I caused you 
I now feel. And when I confess my sins to God, there's a sense in which I'm saying to God, Father, the, the hurt that I've caused you by my sin and my shame, my wrongdoing, I feel. Confession is shared pain. Only when pain is shared, I believe confession can begin. When I begin to smell and then to taste the venom of my own vengeance, I am nearly competent to confess. Thirdly, confession is a gamble on grace. What a risk we take, my friends. When we confess. Have you thought about it? What a risk we take. When we confess. And how high the stakes can be. How can we be sure. That the person that we confess to. Has enough of the power of grace. To forgive. How do we know after we have held out our sorry souls in our hands for the world to see that the world will not look at our unmasked ugliness and slam the doors in our faces? And some of us have been there, haven't we? We've exposed ourselves in confession to somebody. But that somebody did not have the power of grace to forgive. Confession is a risk. In Thomas Hardy's classic Tess of the D'Urbervilles, Tess was a young bride who gambled her happiness, her very future, on her husband's power to be gracious. She risks everything by telling him on her wedding night about a tragic mistake in her past a relationship with another man whom he knew. She confesses. And as she does, his body stiffens, his lips become tight, his, his eyes become frozen over. She risks everything on her husband's power to forgive. And guess what? He had no grace to forgive. And she lost everything. Confession, dear friends, is a gamble on grace. Confession then includes acknowledgement of our responsibility. It includes experience of shared pain and the readiness to gamble on grace. With these, any confession can be the beginning of a miracle that tears down a wall that alienates us and builds bridges. If we confess our sins to one another, then it might have various outcomes. But if we confess our sins to God, the promise is, He will forgive. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? He will forgive. If, like me, you're looking for some kind of preface there as to what might be included in that forgiveness, or if you're looking, like me, for some kind of sequel, 
some kind of explanation around it. It's not there. It's not there for a reason. If you confess, He will forgive. What is forgiveness? Ah, you're all mature brethren. I can see you've got that answer to hand. What is forgiveness? Well, allow me to answer this very quickly by initially outlining what forgiveness is not. (laughs) Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgetting is not hard. And it is not painful. We forget what essentially does not matter that much to us anyway. We need no miracle of grace to get us to forget. We need the miracle of grace to forgive. God does not forget. If He could have forgotten, He would never have taken on the cross of Calvary. Brethren, forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is remembering and still forgiving. Secondly, forgiveness is not excusing. We all deserve a lot of excusing for the crazy things that we do, do we not? Extenuating circumstances. Friends, if you understand all, there's a sense in which you can excuse all. Anyone with an ounce of empathy is willing to suspend judgment on me once he or she understands my condition. Goodness knows my wife simply has to excuse me from one day to the next because she understands me so well. Guess what? She does. Hallelujah. My wife knows I forget my promises because I'm working too hard. She excuses me. My wife understands that I was so busy this week trying to, with the deadline of this particular sermon that I was a real pain in the neck. But she excuses me. Excusing is not terribly hard. It makes for tolerance, but it is not forgiveness. What then is forgiveness? If it is not forgetting, if it is not excusing, what is it? What is happening, friends, when God forgives a sinner like Doug Atherton? What is happening when we forgive those who have sinned against us? Forgiveness wonderfully, is a new beginning. Forgiveness is a new beginning. When God forgives, He offers us a new start with Himself. When God forgives, He holds out His hand and beckons us to Himself that we might take His hand. When God forgives, He gently whispers, My precious, precious child, in spite of everything, I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to love you, I'm going to embrace you, I'm going to turn your life around. Do I deserve it? Not at all. Has God forgiven what kind of person I am? Not at all. Does God excuse it? Probably not. Does He forgive? Hallelujah! Yes, He does. Yes, he does. Equally, on a human level, forgiveness is starting over again with the person who has caused us pain. The miracle of forgiveness is the creation of a new beginning. 
Brethren, it does not always take away the hurt. It does not always deny past injury. It merely refuses to allow the hurt and the injury to stand in the way of a new start. Forgiveness does not deny the past. It can only create a new beginning. I say only. (laughs) How wonderful. I think that's wonderful because I know my past, don't you? Know yours? <laughs> God does. Admittedly, the miracle of forgiveness is so difficult to perform that we wonder at times why we should even try. But what makes the difference? What makes forgiveness possible? Friends, the difference is a wooden cross dug into a hill where a man once died in shared pain for the sins of the world. On the cross, Jesus gathered all the pain we make God feel. He gathered all the pain that you and I collectively here tonight make God feel. And Jesus felt the pain with God there. And he dealt with it. Jesus felt the same pain God feels when we turn our backs on Him and chase after the silly tin gods of our own making. Shared pain between Jesus and the Father. This was the way of confessing our sins for us. It's as though Jesus was speaking for humanity as if He was speaking for Doug Atherton. Sharing the pain that I have caused the Father heart Jesus is saying on my behalf, God, I'm sorry. Should pain happen there at Calvary? And now God is totally faithful and fair to make new beginnings with any of us who care to have Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. There's a cross, my friends, of should pain in the life of God. And this is why God never shuts the door on us. Friends, if we confess our sins to God, He will forgive. He will offer Doug Atherton a fresh new start. Hallelujah. Fascinating. I needed that start a couple of months ago, pride sinned. <laughs> but bless God, tonight I can have it again. If I confess. Isn't that wonderful? That's forgiveness. It is God, the Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It is God who is eternally self-existent, so pure and so holy that with our naked eye we cannot even begin to contemplate focusing upon His absolute blinding holiness. This same God, because of Christ, is extending His hand to you and I tonight. And He's saying, if you confess, I will forgive. How about it? How about it?
What did Engel need more than life itself? Forgiveness. What does Doug Adverton need more than life itself? I'll tell you. Forgiveness. What do you need more than life itself? Forgiveness. And that is what the gospel is. The blessed euangelion. The glorious good news that is ours in Christ. Jesus sharing the pain of the Father. The pain, my pain, the pain I created. He shared it with the Father. As he yielded to a Roman gallows. As he surrendered to a cruel cross. He bore that shame, that pain, that sin, that sorrow upon himself. But tonight... If I confess, He will forgive. Wow. 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 Cleansed. Purged. Liberated. Emancipated. Set free. And because I have been so liberated, I in return can liberate others as I forgive them and their sins against me. The gift of forgiveness, it can be yours and mine tonight if we confess.